ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. It me, it is Stacy Heller, and so joining me today is my first true love. Yes, it's true. Brian Brooks, say hello. Hello. <laughs> now, just so people know, I married my last true love. <laughs> that would be Pete. But Brian was my first true love. So this should be fun. I had a lot of people react like, oh, my gosh, really? You're still friends on Facebook and everything? And I'm like, yeah. So, you know. Um so today is Groundhog Day. Apparently, Puxatawney Phil saw his shadow. So there's six more weeks of winter, which uh, is a moot point since no one's really going anywhere. So who cares? Agreed. <laughs> and uh, Eric was telling me before the show that apparently there are other rodents that predict the weather. Well, the. <laughs> They're groundhogs. Well, yeah. But, I, I don't know if there's like rats or whatever that <laughs> do the weather. But yeah, there's other uh, groundhogs. Uh, General Beauregard Lee, I believe, is the most famous second runner groundhog. I think he's from Georgia. Fascinating. Well, and I was commenting that how are we supposed to tell, convince people that science is what matters when we're using groundhogs to determine whether or not winter is going to last? So I can't argue with that. Right? I mean... <laughs> Right? Science! <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, so mom is actually not listening live today because she is celebrating um, her good friend's birthday. So happy birthday, Todd. Brian, do you remember Mr. and Mrs. Peyton? That name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes. Good yeah. friends of mom and yeah. dad um, yeah. and continue to be. Um, okay. So. I always start out the show with a catch-up of what's going on in my life, and it's really not very exciting. However, um, the big thing around our house is that we are thinking of changing our decor. That's right. For anybody that has seen my house, it is very reminiscent of how mom and dad decorated their house. Lots of tasteful tchotchkes all over the place. And art covering the walls, um, I would describe our living room as like a Parisian salon vibe. And Pete maybe mentioned that it's starting to look a little messy, which I took umbrage at. It's not messy. <laughs> um, so we are now going to clear out some of that clutter and we're going to maybe explore a more modern vibe, streamlined. It's it's a huge change in direction for me anyway. So uh, now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with all of these uh, gold-framed paintings. So this should be interesting. Um, I'm sure you have thoughts about that, Brian, because I, I, you're... I was going to say, I'm just going to... I, 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 love, I love modern lines. I love modern... A feel and look, and and if my house was an Apple store, it'd be great. But <laughs> I have too much stuff and too much art. So. Well, and that's the thing. So I think it's just about maybe changing the vibe of it, and 
changing, you know, I think moving here from the East Coast, I brought some of that East Coast sensibility and tried to marry it with the Pacific Northwest sensibility. And it's like I went too far to the one way. And so now I'm I'm starting to sort of let go of some of those things. The longer I'm out here, the more I start to release, release. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, but so the only way I can see this working is like you knock out uh, uh, upper floors and just make bigger walls. Well, right? I will admit <laughs> that I, I, I know. I once saw a documentary about, um, I think it was Philip Glass that did um the house in New Canaan that's like all glass and he had a um a one of the houses or rooms or whatever was this really cool space that had these gliding walls that had art on them so i need a she shed that has gliding walls <laughs> You, you said she shed. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yes, I need a she shed, and it's going to have these gliding walls, and I can just sit out there, and I can look at my art, and it doesn't have to go anywhere. Because my, I don't know if my aesthetic is the same as the kids, and, you know, I'm loath to give up pieces that are by my grandfather or my father or family. And then there's pieces that I love, but, you know, maybe the space isn't right for them. So it's a conundrum for art collectors. Yeah. It's like, then you start going to storage costs, right? And then then you have to, and then the storage has to be, you know, climate controlled. Right. And, and, you know, I I think I, I mentioned this before. It's like every, everything needs to be framed and ready. You know, or or you're not going to have uh, or the will or the time to actually throw pieces up and move things around, which I don't do either because I'm kind of lazy and, and I like seeing what I see on my walls as well. But, yeah. But it's, it's it's all about evolving. And you're so right. And actually, our conversation inspired me. I am heading to the framing store tomorrow. So thank you for that gentle push. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I'm like, all right, that's it. I need to get these things framed. And besides then, when I take down certain pieces, I'll have other pieces ready to go up. And I, I do think that the whole like decluttering and evolving, I actually think that that's a good sign for relationships and growth because it means that you can constantly learn, change and evolve and like do that together and not stay stagnant. So I say, like, move stuff around all you want. Agreed. Agreed. I like that that decluttering thought. Yeah. Yeah. I need some of that in my life as well. But, again, it's hard. It's hard to get rid of some of those pieces. And I'm also going through uh, some of of that in my workspace because it's been, what, almost a year now that um, that we're we're stuck indoors. And... uh, Looking at looking at things from from way back, I, I'll hoard a lot of things, but I, I can't. I'll hoard the art, you know. I'll hoard the prints. Right, right. Well, and I will say that I'm quite enjoying the fact that you have old pictures, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, <laughs> which is like horrifying and hysterical simultaneously. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, 
So my favorite thing that happened to me this week is actually from this uh, this morning. No, yesterday morning. I got a call from a friend of Grace. And hey, Jack, if you're listening. And he was having an existential crisis, which at 21, I can't decide if that's on time, early. I'm not sure. Um, but first of all, I love that he called me. I mean, anybody calling me and asking for insight or advice or help. I mean, I know I joke like I love the sound of my own voice, but um, it's just nice that somebody considers what I have to say um, worthy of, I don't know, talking to me. It's, it was big. So um, that's the first thing. Second thing is join the club, Jack. We're all going through an existential crisis. What does it all mean? What is our purpose in this life? What are we meant to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the whole reason that he called me is because he had um, a lucky outcome to what could have been really bad, um, a really bad accident, and walked away unscathed. And given his um, hobbies and interests, um, personally and professionally, he tends to walk on the wild side a lot and is really trying to reconcile all these near misses with, you know, what is he supposed to do? What does it all mean? What does it mean that I've, you know, almost, uh, you know, been killed multiple times? And I, you know, I got this intuitive hit that the first thing that came to my mind, and I didn't say it first thing because I didn't know if he could handle it. I basically was like, well, what you're being told is your life is worth living, you expletive. <laughs> and that you need to stop playing with your life like it's the house, like the house's money. This is your money. This is your life. And you can do the things you want to do, but stop being careless about it. So, um, so my message for Jack is that your life has value. Purpose does not mean impact. Now, what does that mean? It means that if your life is going to have purpose, it doesn't mean that you have to be famous. You have to solve um, the cure for the pandemic or cancer or win a Nobel Peace Prize or create um, world peace or anything like that. Um, purpose has nothing to do with impact. And also keep in mind that happiness is definitely one of the pillars of health. People tend to undermine happiness and you need to do more of what makes your tail wag. What do you think? Good advice, Brian? Yeah, I would, I'm, I'm just like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I would. <laughs> would you add anything? What? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say, uh, if if some of the actions that he's doing is are, are using quote dangerous, you know, get better at it. <laughs> it's not so dangerous. Um, okay, well, there's but, that. Yeah. Well, and, and and again, I'm I'm joking here. I, I don't know the situation, but 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 no, I mean th things things are dangerous. You know, walking on the street is dangerous, and and, and not to make that kind of analogy, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I let's say I'm just going to throw out a theoretical. Let's say you and a bunch of knuckleheads that are also in your 20s decide oh, no. that you're going to go out <laughs> and there's not enough room in the car for everyone to sit. So a couple of you climb into the trunk to get to your location and 
let's say in a weird freak accident, your car is rear-ended by a drunk driver. Now, this is well, a hypothetical. Yes. But let's you say... You cannot train for that. Uh, right. So you can't exercise. get better at that situation. So in this no. case, I would argue that you cannot get better at that. But I would argue that perhaps if you're all tending, like planning to go out, maybe you shouldn't be going out because there's a pandemic. Maybe you shouldn't be going out to drink and somebody shouldn't be driving. And or maybe some of you take an Uber and one person drives if you have your designated driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, make, that makes perfect sense. But, but, but pulling it back out of all these hypotheticals, because, you know, those, those are all hypotheticals. Naturally. Um, yeah, you, you hit the, the, the nail on the head. It's like, what, what do you want to do? And sometimes, you know, at, at that age, or, you know, I, I, I even do it myself sometimes. It's like, what, what's, what's the plan? I've, right. had to, I've had to look at it many times over, over my lifetime. It's like, what, what is the plan? And, and um, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? How do we do it better? Well, and the thing but, is, it, it constantly changes and evolves. Exactly. Like, does. you don't have to have the answer. You just need to move forward. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I 100% agree. That's, I mean, that's how, that's, that's how I'm sitting where I'm sitting now. Yeah. Got to keep it moving forward. Exactly. So, in a you know, positive, in a positive direction, too. Let's just let's be well, <laughs> honest. Yes, of course. I mean, <laughs> and I it's so depressing because here I am. I'm talking to you and we dated back when we were like 17, 18, 19. And so, like, even before the age of uh, the Jack is now. And I'm like, you mean like yesterday when we were like 19? And, you know, and I'm sounding like such a mother right now. But I'm like, oh, it's true. So anyway, um, it's, I love it. it's just it's true. All right. So every week I share a Staceyism. And so this week, my Staceyism, I may have shared it before, but I'm sharing it again. It's worth it. Um, I'm going to make the case that people are more offended by assumptions than questions. So what does that mean? Well, I figure in honor of. Um, Black History Month in honor of all of our like people that have different religions, different political point of view, the LBGTQIA community. Um, if there are people out there and you don't understand what their beliefs are, what um, how they're living, um, what they're going through or whatever, ask the question. It is so much more illuminating and you can learn. You don't have to agree, but you can learn and it may help with assumptions. What reminded me of this is an interview that I saw about a guy that used to be one of these extremists that was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper. And he was sharing that he thought that Anderson Cooper um, like had the blood of children or something. And Anderson Cooper was like, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, it's a widely held belief. Um, so, hey, people, ask the question. Don't make an assumption. We all need to be educated. I feel like the guy at the beginning of Hill Street Blues that's like, be safe out there. Right. But, you know, right. so so that would be my uh, Staceyism for this week. 
Okay. Can I, can I add a little Brianism to that Staceyism? Sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I'd put I'd, I'd put people on to say, look, just be. It sounds so simple, but just be people and open your ears and open your your heart to, to be treated like you want to be treated. You know. Well, and I would argue even better because <laughs> here's the deal. I had a conversation actually about this. Um, a couple of my clients have a radio show here on KKNW. It, by the way, little plug, they air on Monday. Uh, first, we have the show is all about you with JDK. And then we have at the root with Greg Kuiper immediately after at 3.30. Anyway, talking about this idea, um, I think JD was focused on it yesterday in his show, um, where he was talking about that commandment, you know, love your neighbor the way you love yourself. But so often we don't really love ourselves. We actually are so hard on ourselves. And so, you know, I agree with you that you should treat people with respect, but I also want to remind people that they should treat themselves with respect too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely taken to to the next level because yeah, sadly, um, like there's people's, self-esteem and self-worth is so low sometimes right based on based on you know different environmental circumstances well and and narratives from your past and you know so my you know i'll i'll add another little thing to it um take a dry erase marker and you can actually write positive affirmations to yourself on your mirror so that every day you are forced when you're looking in the mirror at yourself and probably being critical, you can also look at those positive affirmations. The other thing that's fun is you can actually leave your significant other little notes so that like if you wake up in the morning, it's like, Hey babe, or something like that. I don't know. I was going to make a joke about dry, dry erase markers. Hmm. All right. Because, well, because of, because of the pandemic, uh, I can't steal them from the uh, supply closet. So. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, we're gonna take a really quick break, and then when we come back, we're gonna walk down memory lane, and we're gonna talk about our story. We'll be right back. Don't ask me to talk. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. What's up? This is Rob Bates. And I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacy Heller. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't ask me to talk with Stacy Heller. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Bass. Tune in. Peace. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. I am Stacy Heller. I am back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. And 
Brian, I would argue that I was influenced to get that cameo from Rob Bass because of you and I dating. <laughs> like, that was the jam that in 88. It sure was. Right? Okay. So <laughs> let's take a little. Um, first of all, let me properly introduce you. So you are Brian Brooks. Personally, you're a married father of two, Oscar and Simone. Deanne is your wife. How many years have you been married? Um, married? Yeah. Uh, for we, we kind of lump it together. So married for over 14. We dated 10 years before that. So we're like, we're 20 plus. What took you so long, man? Uh, we didn't want to get married-ish. <laughs> we wanted to keep traveling. And we oh. did. We traveled and we lived abroad and we did a lot of great things. And then sadly, a lot of our family, our extended family were like passing away. And they're, they're like, we want, a, we want a wedding. We want a wedding. So Aww. we kind of ca- caved, caved to the pressure. Oh, that's going to be a theme of today's conversation. Um, <laughs> all right. So it happens to everybody. So professionally, you are a tech consultant, right? Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, I, I, I work uh, in the, the technical, I'm using air quotes in my, in my speaking, uh, <laughs> <laughs> marketing analytics. That's what I do for an unnamed company. Okay. And you are a part owner of a film lab in San Francisco that I imagine that we do want to name, right? Yes, I'm really excited. Actually, we're, we are located in uh, uh, West Oakland, okay. the Underdog Film Lab, where we uh, process traditional uh, film photography and printing services. We do from 110 to 8x10 on custom-made machines from Europe. Reframe a dip and dunks. So underdog film lab. Dot com. We got you. Yeah. <laughs> Dot com. We got you. <laughs> I, I, it's so cool. Um, I actually sent the information to my brother because I believe he still shoots film. And so um, I shared it with him. Um, and then creatively, you are a part owner in the film lab. You're also a photographer. Plus, you still skateboard and you're an avid biker. Yeah, that sums me up pretty much. Yeah, cyclist. I'm also like a beer connoisseur, a gin connoisseur, a pizza connoisseur. Okay, well, (laughs) it's funny because I I bring those other things up because it's amazing how much things change, but they stay the same because you always were into kind of tech stuff. You always always were into photography and funky lenses and you know you went through a whole big phase where you were using a fisheye lens and you know you always loved doing things like that um skateboarding hello i think that's how i met you uh yes that's why i'm here. that's why i live in san francisco <laughs> because you can skateboard um so I just think it's funny that those, you know, those things that so many people think that they're going going to grow up and away from things that you were interested in or you did in, you know, your teen years or whatever. And I'm like, no, if you're lucky, you can turn it into a whole lifestyle. So, yeah. Um, OK, yeah. now, how did we meet? This is like how the. We meet? I, I, I think we met we met in a parking lot. Yeah, I think through Jen. Okay, yeah. I, I actually asked you because I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 I think it, yeah, it, it, was, it was 
it was the it was the it was a parking lot skating around. And I think I think Jen Jen lived near that near that library parking lot. Yep. And then Yep. And it was just uh us and the what six other misfits uh at the uh, that I went to school with that actually rode a skateboard in New Jersey, which is um, not not so common back then. In not it's not like Tony Hawk days where everyone's like playing skateboard video games, right? But actually, to to ride a skateboard in New Jersey in the eighties, you were a freak. Well, and <laughs> how tall are you? I'm six two. Right. So. Well, I mean, yes, but we don't have to mention that part. So also you're 6'2", which is not really that common among skateboarders. And dare I say it, for people that can't see you, you're black. So a tall black skateboarder in New Jersey, you were known. Yeah. Uh, yes. And and not only was I known from, for my uh, beautiful looks and my tall height, but also known for my skateboarding ability. Yeah. I was reflecting on this, and I remember when we would go places, I always felt like, oh, yeah, I know him. Like, you were like Mr. Cool, and everybody knew who you were, and I was so not cool in that world. I never skateboarded. I would just sort of sit and watch and eat cheese doodles. And um, and it was kind of like all of these, like, skate bunny girls would be like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, back off. <laughs> so, no, yeah, again, I was cool yeah. by association. Well, you know, you're you're a cool period. But but no, not not to like like to toot my horn, but yeah, I I I I did I, I did pride myself on the fact that I I was I was really I was really good at it. You were, you, you could know? do a ho-ho. <laughs> I can do a yeah, and I could do a lot of tricks where I was not only the first one, but I could also hang with other folks because we used to be in New York, we used to be in Philly, and and all of those all of those teams that grew out and moved west. That's why I'm here in San Francisco. Like I could hang with them, you yep. know. No, no, I didn't. I didn't turn pro, but I could hang. I could hang in a session. Yep. No, you and, totally and, were so so good. I mean, it was like crazy i would just sit and watch and there's an artistry to it you know if you don't watch then you're like ah those kids that are like you know they're on the stairs and they're riding on the rails and all that stuff but if you actually like watched i mean there is a um acrobatic grace to skateboarding and then there was the kid that you um hung out with sometimes that also he did a lot of tricks on his bike oh greg you yeah you you put me down this rabbit hole Oh my gosh! Yeah, he, uh, yeah, Greg in Princeton. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a line on him of where he is now, sadly, um, and that was one on my to do list. Wow, to, to kind of see see where he's at. But he got really involved into uh, into like the Jersey hip hop scene. Okay, and and he was doing some promotion and. Um, uh, doing uh, shows out of the the Princeton University radio station 103.3. Yep. Um, and a lot of big acts would go through. Yeah, I remember 
you, um, I'm pretty sure I remember being with my friend Sabrina visiting the campus and seeing your tag on a wall at Princeton. Fader. <laughs> Quiet. Oh, what? sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. P H A D E R. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know where he is right now. He he did he did have he did have a really cool car though. So I don't remember that. Okay. Well, and <laughs> so I have to tell folks. So the first official date that we ever went on. So Uh-oh. this was good. No, you should be proud of this. This is a good story. Um I was always collecting change and I still actually do that. I have that giant um um what do you call it? water cooler antique glass thing that was from my great grandfather and I so I was always picking up change from the ground people's cars and pocketing it and throwing it into this jar so on our first date that you asked me out on you brought me a book of poetry by Langston Hughes yeah that's right a painting that you did that was basically showing like violence but like beautifully done um and um, it was somebody being hit with a bat, and you gave me a whole thing of like pennies. It was what amazing. A nerd. No, what that a was nerd. so. Are you kidding? <laughs> that was so good. Like you were paying attention. I didn't say anything, and you you were showing me. It was basically. I don't remember if the painting was depicting police brutality or what it was. But it was like you were showing me your art. You knew that art was part of my life and part of my upbringing, and I would appreciate it. And you were also shared the poetry by Langston Hughes. And, you know, you were also telling me about that experience. And I loved it. Are you kidding? Yeah. Girls go like mushy over that stuff. No, no I, 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 yes, I, I, I remember. I remember the, the, uh, yeah, that, that painting I did. I remember that image. I remember that. Yeah, it was That's, very uh, like orange and red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One yeah. of my. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's a positive memory because that, that that makes me feel happy. Of course. Are you kidding? I was like, I remember coming home and being like, uh, oh, oh. Um, it was a big deal. Um, and you know, and then your other big romantic gesture was when Liliana told you that I loved the band Madness and I loved that song, um, It Must Be Love, and you recorded a tape. That's right, kids, back when you had to, like, hit record, (laughs) and you recorded the entire, like, the song over and over and over again on the one side. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. That's, uh, wow, what a sap. Yeah, uh, what a sap. <laughs> I'm talking about, no, no, and, and that. But we always and, listen to your music. I mean, and that was the yeah. point that I think you were trying to make is like, which I actually was fine with, but we listened to a ton of rap. And um, and I don't know if I complained about it or not. I, I would like to think that I wasn't a complainer. Um, but I just remember you being like, oh, put in this tape. Like I made a new tape or something. And then the music came out and I was like, so thanks, Liliana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We, I, but it, it's it's funny because that that was again people talk about the golden age of a lot of things. Yep. 
but that was a golden age of skateboarding. Yep. That was a golden age of hip hop. Yep. For sure. Um, it it was our golden age. You know, we were. You know, I mean, we were uh, like young, moving into adulthood. World opening up. Yep. Let's go get it. Um, I felt super empowered and to make the world our place. Yep. You know, we had, we had Reagan leaving. This <laughs> 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 is going to be like a history lesson, but yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was quite a time and you know, um, we had a lot of fun and you introduced me besides introducing me to, um, hip hop and rap and like LL Cool J before he was the host of Lip Sync Battle and um you know like Shinehead and De La Soul and just like you know all these besides all of the more mainstream um you know I loved it and it still it influences even my um my show opening when I was like okay so I want to cross between and this is a shout out to Dave Nelson Kermit the Frog reporting and Spinderella and so that's what he worked on. And I kind of love it. Um, but you were also very into yeah. movies. Um, and we saw a ton of movies. And I will never forget seeing um, Do the Right Thing With You and I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So in a movie theater... In, I think, New Jersey, I think we probably saw it at Marketplace, I think that I was the only white person in the movie theater, and I did not understand a ton of the references. Like, you had to explain so much to me. I I remember seeing, I'm going to get you talking, because I think Jeb was there, too. Okay, maybe. (laughs) Maybe, but I remember, uh, yes, I, I remember, like, again, we'll go back to it. Like, it was a golden age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, that's, that's how we got, like, Die Hard and we got, uh, yeah, Do the Right Thing. And, yeah, I'm going to get you sucker. We, it was, that was, that was, that was fun about you because, you know, some people don't like cinema. Yeah. No, I'm. I love, I, oh, yeah. you know, that we, like. You want to go see another movie? Oh, yeah. No, I totally um, loved going to the movies and still love going to the movies. Um, Pete, for a time, worked at Lowe's Theaters, and I would go to the movies, and he'd work doing whatever he was doing, and I was like, just give me the master schedule, and I'm going to go from movie to movie to movie. I love going. And, you know, we saw a ton of movies, and those were so impactful. So, all right, so now we're going to get into the – the heavier stuff. So you and I dated. We dated for a couple of years. Um, and it was an interesting experience because when we first started dating, um, I didn't really, it never occurred to me, like, that I was doing anything wrong because I wasn't. I was dating you. And I remember getting pressure from my parents, pressure from peers. Um, people gave us a hard time. You and I were talking um, about the car chase that we had. Somebody chased us down, um, thinking that you had stolen a, I think, a car radio or something. That would be we had stolen, not me. Yeah, we. Because, you know, <laughs> <We>. <laughs> in, my, 
in my really cute um, Laura Ashley red and white dress with my little scarf around my neck, I was a real baddie. And But we were chased on all these back roads for like a good 30 to 40 minutes or something. And I remember we were actually trying to draw the attention of the police because we were freaked out. And then we got stopped. And the policeman, when he walked up, you know, was kind of like, what's going on here? And, you know, it's just interesting things to reflect on because, you know, he took a look at you and you're sitting there and you're a black teenage boy. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hello, officer. (laughs) And, you know, you just I'm curious what it like what did you think about those times like you know your parents um mom is white dad is black you're married to uh d she's white i mean for you that's like the norm but it's an interesting thing having this culture throughout your life your dating history you know wearing that mantle yeah i mean it, it, it's it's interesting i mean we can we can take it back to like yeah my my um you know, born, you know, biracial and thinking about when, when my, when I was born in 1970, age myself and, um, in New Jersey, in the middle, in like in Mercer County area, central Jersey, not, 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 not too many, not too many people of color that were, that lived in the Hopewell Princeton area mm-hmm. per se, you know? Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I I I heard stories from my mom like when we were young, asking like people would walk up to her and say, "Oh, where where did you get where did you get those kids from?" Right, assuming and that they're like, adopted. Yeah, yeah, adopted. And 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 my mother would go off like, "No, these are my kids." I loved your mother. She was the nicest. So smart, so welcoming. I remember having um, one particular dinner out with her, um, but she was always so incredibly warm and gracious and um, smart. And your dad too, like how? Yeah, my my, my mom was smarter than my dad, but um, <laughs> I love my dad. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where I get all that's where I get all my my Anglophile love from, like. Masterpiece Theater, Doctor Who, and anything that's transmitted across the Atlantic into New Jersey, that's where I get it off of my mom. Okay. God bless her. All right. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, it was it, – I, I think, like, growing up, I, 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 you know, being, being uh, biracial, I think I, I kind of push it to the side. Obviously, you know, there, there, was, there was names. There was – there was a, there was abuse. There was bullying. There was a lot of things, but um, kind of pushed it down and just kind of went for mine, you know. Well, and you always like, what's going to make me happy? What's going to make me happy? And then not impede on other people's happiness, but also bring people along. Right. I mean, that always was something that struck me about you. Um, you know, that whole idea of you know now it's such a buzzword. This whole idea of like being inclusive and, you know, whatever. But you were always like, are you cool to hang? Great. Like, you didn't care, you know. We were talking about um, when I was at school at Skidmore and you would come up to visit and I would go off to class. Um, Yes, Mom, I did go to a few classes. And 
you would skateboard and you got to know a whole bunch of um, people in the Saratoga Springs community. And one of them being like this 13 year old kid that I remember you hanging out in my room. And I was like, who is this child that's in my room? (laughs) And you're like, don't worry about it. He's cool. He can skate. He can hang. And then, of course, you recently told me that he grew up to be a big deal. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Fish. Yeah, he's a he's a big deal. He has a day. He has a, a day in San Francisco. A really, really good il- illustrator, artist, skateboarder. Um, you know, you can you can look him up, uh, uh, and you could buy his artwork and put it on your walls. I know. I'm like, <laughs> and to think I knew him when, and you know, huh, interesting. Um, but that's how you always were, and um, you know, I'm sure it helped coming from a biracial marriage that, you know, you were just kind of like, yep, I'm this and I'm that and I don't really care. And you were always just like, don't mess with my vibe. I, you know, if you're cool to hang with, then you're cool to hang with. Um, and so I think that really had an impact. And it was hard for me when, you know, I was super excited and giddy that like, oh my gosh, I like met this guy and we're dating. And, you know, I wanted to like, share it with the world and share it with my parents. And they really struggled. I mean, you know, my, it's this difficult conversation, I think, for people to have. Like, if you have trepidation about your children dating somebody that is different than yourself, you know, does that make them racist? Does it make them a bad person? Is it partly their experience um, that, or their upbringing that they had? And, And it's a difficult conversation because even though, you know, I've come so far and as a generation, our generations come so far, I still get schooled by my kids. And it's it's an interesting um, position to be in. I mean, I'm already breaking Annie's rule, which was Annie said, if you're going to talk oh. about race, you need to listen, not talk. It's not your place <laughs> to talk. It, it's funny because what, what I... What I've been told on, on, uh, on from D is you need to, uh, yeah, you need to listen and not talk. <laughs> Don't interrupt any of somebody. <laughs> Sound like you're mansplaining things. Well, I mean, that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to just unpack everything right now. Well, I mean, like we could, but then you might not be able to pack it back up and go home. So, sure. So there's that. Um The other thing that I think is, you know, so that was really hard for me because, um, you know, my mom was much more concerned um, or it felt at the time like what the neighbors would think kind of thing. And my dad, his thing was, I don't care if he's purple. He's not Sidney Poitier. (laughs) Yeah. I Yeah. You said that. And I was like, whoa, wow. I got some words. Right. Well. (laughs) <laughs> and and for my I'm not an ugly dude. <laughs> well, no, but I think for my dad it came down to, you know, he was a huge fan of um Spencer Tracy and Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn did Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sydney Poitier. So my dad also being set a where? where was that set? Um Connecticut? Where was it set? San Francisco? Oh, it was. Oh, I don't know. I see you're so interestingly, you and my dad both like cinemaphiles. Um, dad Sorry, was. I, had to, I have to double check because it might have been the remake. <laughs> well, okay. So anyway, but he was referencing 
that and this idea that, you know, he's like, he's a skateboarder that works at a video store. And you and I were talking about this a little bit. So, like, put a pin in that thought. And I brought up the fact that when your kids start dating people, if the significant other isn't somebody that maybe you like, it's amazing the weight and the, um, like, there's the parents attach a, like a certain weight and consequence of that relationship. So, you know, suddenly it's like I go from I met a boy that I like and now I'm dating him to like, you know, if you get married, you're going to run into like this and this and this and this or, you know, whatever the fear is. Um, I imagine that it's similar if yeah. you are part of the LBGTQ IA community, right? Um, you know, it's like the parents fear and coming out. It's like you're going to run into all these obstacles. So there's a, a fear there, but it's amazing how there's such an attachment of like the future. Whereas, you know, if you date someone else that maybe your parents don't feel threatened by, you know, it's like, oh, that's fun. He's a nice boy. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's different. And you're not yeah. there yet with your kids. Your no, kids are younger. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. But I, I, I have these conversations to myself, you know, where. And where like, do you what? end up with yourself? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I would like to think that I would be uh, very opening and welcoming. Yeah, I think Parent. you would be. Yeah, yeah. But. I mean, uh, it, yeah. it's. It's a tricky thing. I mean, I I respect the fact that my, you know, my dad is basically was trying to say at the time, like, you know, I just want somebody that's going to be worthy of my little girl. Um, And, you know, he certainly when Pete asked for my hand in marriage, he um, was working on his um, saw. He was working in the garage on like the whatever it is, like the board saw. And, you know, Pete was like, oh, seriously? Um, so my dad was like a speak softly and saw kind of a guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a very interesting thing. And I remember being um, just exhausted of dealing with the pressure and feeling like I had to lie all the time and breaking up with you. And... You know, it's one of the regrets that I have, not because, you know, no offense, not because I think that you and I would still be together and, you know, all of that, more because the regret of not doing what I wanted to do, not following my heart, you know, caring about what my parents felt. And I think about it with, you know, people now and this whole conversation and, Love is love. Yeah, that's it. You just said it right there. Love is love. But you know, I, I haven't. I, I mean, I, I, I look back. I look back at it, and and I look back with like fondness and joy and 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 love. It 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 was, it was a great time. Well, great you time moved on now. really quick. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So now. So did you. <laughs> I mean, but, kind but. of, but I married the guy. 
okay, well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I moved, uh, I started traveling. I, I, I hit the road. Yeah. You know? Yep. I hit the road really fast. And that was, that was the, that was the other thing that, that really like attracted me is like, get out of Jersey, go, go skate the next spot, go, go visit new people, go see new things. Yep. And yeah. And that was, yeah, that, that, that took me on a journey definitely around, around the world and back and then ultimately moving to San Francisco and, and being that home base for 20 plus years and then traveling world again. Right. I mean, all the things that you wanted to do, you went ahead and did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you had, you had me thinking back to a lot, a lot of old stories and friends and, and, and family. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I hope, I hope that people could say I live my life. Oh, I know I could say that, but like I live my life, like I, I always wanted to and, and took people again forward. Um, and then left some people to the side that, that didn't need to go forward and can visit new places. I mean, that's, that's what I hope for my kids and I hope for everybody just explore and grow. Right. Well, and, you know, ask the questions, right? And don't make assumptions. And, um, you know, I learned, I feel like I got so much more out of our relationship, just like the lessons that I got, not only like culturally, but in terms of growth. I mean, it was when I was aware that like, oh, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid of like my upbringing for a really long time. And, you know, and we all do like it tastes good. Like, it's what we're comfortable with. It's what we know. Um, but I wasn't questioning anything because there wasn't anything that, like, rocked the boat. And so it was, you know, the first time that the curtain was drawn on Oz. And, you know, it turned out that, you know, it was just my parents. <laughs> you know, like, they were not all big and mighty and whatever. They're just doing the best that I can, just like I am now. And, you know, you're making it up as you go. But it was, you know, such the a start of something, like I said, I mean, and not to be like dramatizing it because I think, you know, you can go back in time and romanticize things. But I mean, you were you were the first boy that I ever loved. You like taught me a ton about like relationships, like I said, all of our movies and art and literature and all of those things. And the fact that you were so like, let's just go, let's travel, all of those things. It was huge. Now you're supposed to say something nice about me. Yeah, I know. I was like, well, how can, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're welcome. <laughs> like, but, and but, you like to talk a lot. <laughs> but no, but, but, but really, really, what what I, I am really finding love and joy from is the fact that we can still talk and yeah. there is no animosity. I mean, we, I think we were, so I think we reached out like many, 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 many years ago. I mean, he, he, like, and we were, we were like back and forth just talking online. And then it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't until like what, maybe five or six years ago that we actually like talked and met and like, or like I met, and said, hey, how's it going? Um, and I, I mean, one of the last pandemic, before the pandemic closed down, we, I was going to take the kids up to Victoria Island. Yep. Like the weekend. I remember. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it was spring break. I was like, 
was like, I need to get the kids out of here. We need a break. And, and, and I, I was, we were going to fly up and then take the ferry over to Victoria. And I was like, hey, we're going to be around. You want to see, wanna, you want to meet them, say hi. Or, and, and then, of course, you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we closed down. Glad we didn't go and get stuck in Canada. Right. Well, yeah, that's a whole but, separate thing. But you know. But, but yeah, I, I I love the fact that we can still talk and and we can we can pull up old pictures, which I have a lot. I have a lot more, and I owe you more pictures. Holy cow! Those. Some of the pictures, and I'll post them on my Instagram page, which is the Damped Show D A M T T. Um, I think Show is my Instagram handle, and. I look like a poor man's Molly Ringwald with a major attitude in some of them. Boo. I'm going to say boo to that. <laughs> You're too poor kind. Molly Ringwald. <laughs> yeah, like her, her angsty, like, pouty face. Yeah, I mean. No, nah, you had it on lock. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Oh, my gosh. Next question. <laughs> okay. No, but. Yeah, no, but I, again, I, but but really, I I love the fact that we we can still talk because you know not everybody can revisit a relationship from many moons ago, and even we had our ups, we had our downs, you know, but can't can't talk about it, you know. Right, so, right. No, I, I just I I feel like um, each relationship that I've had, whether it's with friends or you know boyfriends, um, coworkers, whatever it is, each person has um, has given me something that I'm appreciative for. And even if the time has passed, um, it takes a lot for me to just cut people out of my life. I'm, I'm grateful. It was a great time. As you say, it was like a golden age. Um, you know, it was, it was an awesome time. It was totally an awesome time. Um, Agreed. Now, I'm going to read, actually, a poem by Langston Hughes that was written forever ago, but this is just fascinating because I was, of course, walking down memory lane in poetry. Listen to this one. Tired. Again, Langston Hughes. I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. I mean, like, fascinating. Um, He wrote another poem, um, Children's Rhymes, it's called. By what sends the white kids? I ain't sent. I know I can't be president. What don't bug them white kids sure bugs me. We know everybody ain't free. Lies written down for white folks ain't for all us us all. Liberty and justice, huh, for all? Which, nice thing is... Times have changed a bit. Now we have a woman of color that is in office. It's a pretty great time. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I think about my kids and where, what the future they have. And, and yours as well, you know. It, Abs- it's, 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 we, we, we gotta, we, we're going to be better. We are. In the future. We are. <laughs> <In> the future, <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, unfortunately, on that note, um, we have to wrap up here. But thank you for the walk down memory lane. Thank you for the lessons that you taught me and that I have been able to pass on. And um, 
I am super grateful. And next week on the show, I am going to be joined by Raquel Hill, a gal I went to high school with. I'm excited to catch up with her. 